Hello, everybody. This is Safi with Thoughts of an Unstable Mind. I'm, I'm back with you. It's been a, it's been a hot minute, Piper, hasn't it? It's been a minute. We're back. We're back. We're here. Um, we're going to have an interesting topic today. Very interesting. Piper, you want to share the, the, the topic of today? Yes, this is episode nine, From the Mouth of Babes, the Ascent to Safiism. Mouth of Babes, which would mean I must have more than one female here, which I do. I got Piper. You have and a couple of babies. I have a couple of babies here. I'm actually kind of lucky right now. Okay, so, and I have another young lady we're going to introduce is going to be Casey. But, well, go ahead, Casey. Say hi to everybody. Hi, everyone. So, what I first want to do before we go into this topic is I want to kind of do a little bit of refresher. Um, what is Safiism? What is it? Piper, why don't you say what it is? You have a nice voice. Go ahead. Safiism is the belief in self-accountability for the preservation of society. Yes. So basically, it, it starts with ourselves, right? So let's remember this as we move forward in this topic with our guest. Now, also, I want to, I also have a, um, a t um, my thoughts of an unstable mind. I had an interaction. I don't want to say with who, but it was a relative related experience. And it made me come up with the great definition of my thoughts of an unstable mind. And here it goes. It's when a statement or question has the ability to disrupt your foundation and or view with logical reasoning, then your only recourse is attacking the messenger. And why do I say that? Well, I'll give you a little hint. I got attacked and called a sociopath um, compared to Hitler, et cetera, et cetera. So through this, I came up with this definition when my intent is just to give people insight. So Casey here, which I'm lucky I developed a relationship with her. She um, had some challenges going and in her life, and I'm going to have her express what made her adapt and accept and, and like Sophieism as offensive as it was in the beginning. And it, and it kind of goes back to that indoctrination, indoctrination definition. And that's the process of teaching a person or group to accept a set of beliefs uncritically. Basically, do as I say, I'm right, you're wrong, don't question it. So I'm going to, I don't know, how do you want to start with this, Piper? I want to get Casey, like, in the mix now. Um, Casey, just um, talk to us about Sophieism, you know, from the beginning of our relationship and um, go with it. Yeah. Well, hey, y'all. We're in Texas, so I feel like we're in Texas. y'all. <laughs> um, say y'all. <laughs> But before I met Safi, I had some life experiences where I kept repeating the same pattern over and over again. And it wasn't working with my own personal life and with my daughter. So insert Safi in our conversation, he changed my perspective on things. And I tried different approaches. How old is your daughter? She is 17. She's 17 now. So how long would you say that we've had this kind of relationship? I'd say maybe three years. So she was 14-ish yeah. when it started. Okay. Mid-teen. Well, share with us some of the challenges that you were having, because if I'm not mistaken, may I say that you, you're you no longer with that Her gentleman, daughter. so that we'll call him your ex. Yes. Okay? Great. And then you have your daughter. So yes. we'll use ex and your daughter. Um, can you share with us some of the experiences that you were repeating and you felt as if you weren't progressing, if we want to use that term, progressing? Well, I just, I think that with Grace's experiences, I felt that I felt that I wanted to be there for her and 
support her, but I found myself giving into her, you know, not truly supporting her and giving her kind of everything she was asking for, making up for like lost time or what I perceived as negative experiences, if you're following what I'm okay. saying. So you basically you felt like you had, a, what was that term probably used? You, you, um, when you're over, like a, not like a helicopter mom, were you coddle? Is that the term you use? Coddle or overcompensation. Kind of like what the, the challenges you and I had in the beginning. Right, Piper, in the beginning with the, with the kids where... Well, I mean, I think you just to take, you take the approach that you wish or think would be appropriate for you as an adult with your own experiences or what you think you need or what you've been trained to do. Mm-hmm. And you turn to a child who maybe doesn't have as much life experience as you. And you say, well, this would work for me. I need somebody to take care of me and be gentle with me and be sensitive to me right now. And you put that on your child who doesn't have that breadth of experience to draw from. Maybe that's what, not what they need, but that's what all you know to do. Right. So you just take the same approach. Well, what are some of the challenges you're having with your 17 year old daughter? If you don't mind me asking. Right now? Right now. Well, I, I just think she's not accepting reality. Um, and she is having a hard time speaking her mind. Well, what's the, what's feelings. the reality that you want her to to see? Like, what where is she in her reality? And if you want to call that not the real reality, where do you think, what is, let's start with this. What is the real reality that she's not seeing? Well, I, I think she's just not seeing um, that she's got to put in hard work. She's got to speak honestly, speak transparently. Um, she's telling different stories to different people. Um, we're having some challenges with school. So, yeah. So she's not, uh, is she not taking, I hate to use the term accountability. Is she not just recognizing, what's the best way to say this, Piper? Help me here. She's not recognizing her faults, if, if that's a good term. Because um, you said something along the lines that she's changing her story from, I'm assuming, parent to parent. Or, I'm sure grandparents Correct. are involved as well, if I, if I recall correctly. Correct. Um, I, can, I can understand why she would do that. I really can. Because it, in general, um, we take the path of least resistance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, from my experience with, with this approach, the majority on a bell curve, I'm just looking at it as a bell curve, from my experience, I would say the majority of parents take the path of least resistance as well with their kids. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, you know, I I use this term with my boys. I said, um, I know I'm frustrating you right now. I know you're angry with me, but you'll thank me when a lot of your friends are confused and you're not, and you got it figured out. And um, I know me and Piper, we've had our challenges with this. And I think you kind of see the the different perspective. And I don't want to say it's right or wrong, but Piper, I think it would be good from both of y'all. What was that moment that here you guys have been indoctrinated in one perspective, right? And this is, and even with I, you know, we were, we, we, we see as we, we're really, in my opinion, not helping our offspring to succeed. What was that moment from a female, from a babe's point of view? Um, like a guy would use the term tough love. How, what happened? Piper, Casey, Piper, you want to go first? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely the moment you threw all the toys 
in the garbage. Oh, that's room. right. We we talked about you that know, one of our and episodes. I, and I contemplated divorce because <laughs> I thought all I could see was seventy five dollars worth of toys going in the garbage. Well, I, I I also was breaking them as well. Yes, and my <laughs> children were you know crying, and I thought all that money that we earned, um, but what I realized is that the next time you asked them to pick up their toys, you know, after I thought about it and took a two mile run and decided not to get a divorce over that, I saw that they picked up their toys the next time. And I thought, wow, that made the biggest difference in them actually doing what needed to happen. And $75 worth of toys isn't going to financially ruin us. Um, well, I think they, also- they were able to recover, to have that experience and to recover and say, hey, if I don't put my things up, dad's serious. He's going to do what he says. And I had not I was more emotional about that. I was emotionally attached to the money, emotionally attached to their emotions. And I could see that that wasn't going to result in the outcome. If I had pulled those toys out as as you were breaking them and made you leave or called the police and said, because I got so upset that this was a domestic Hold on, hold on. Let's, let's please remember, y'all. I'm toys. breaking toys. I'm not physically no, touching I my children. but you have to okay. – that's a visceral <laughs> reaction when you've been indoctrinated into – you know, everything matters. Money matters. You're throwing away money. Well, You're making my children however, cry. I mean, for, for women, that's a visceral reaction. But I think, but for me, it, it when I saw the end result of what happened, I couldn't deny that I had children who are now compliant with picking up their toys. And that is the outcome. But I want to also give the, the viewers another, another point of view where I also have a dialogue with my children. I'm not just breaking toys. I'm giving them explanation. And the way I like to correlate this is I ask my kids, and yes, at a young age, because I do treat my kids to where I know that they have the cognitive ability to have a conversation with me. And I say, Sully and Sale, mommy and daddy go to work. People go to work for job to pay for their bills. What would happen if your job asked you to do a task and you said, no, I don't want to do that task? Believe it or not, my young kids actually said, they would probably fire you. Why? I mean, maybe it's because, you know, we're business owners, business owners, should they hear a lot of our challenges, but still at a young age, they had the insight. So I said, if you get fired and you have a family, what do you do then? And I said, so my goal is to set you up for success. I want to establish a foundation so that, you know, when you have all these challenges, you make the right choices for your longevity to navigate through this world. The problem is, is when you set a tone at a child's age, you know, between three and seven or five or whatever, and they can get away with whatever they choose to because of all that emotion that you babes, and I'm using the babes not to be offensive, I'm using it because how to get this conversation. Well, it's true, but, it's not offensive. Well, I'm just saying the term yeah. babes, females, mothers, whatever. When you do that, you're setting a standard of when I go to work, I can still do as I please. When I go to college, when I go to high school and collaborating and conversing with Casey, a lot of these challenges were actually reinforced yeah. too. Yeah. And when you get to the real world, it doesn't work like that. You're confused because of your foundation. Correct. Casey, can you what, That's correct. what gave you that epiphany? So for me, it was a conversation I had with my daughter and maybe she was 12 or something. And I was asking her a question and she literally said to me, she doesn't take me seriously. Wow. So that was really insightful to me. And I was like, well, I guess what I'm doing is not, it's not working. 
So through these conversations with Safiism, it's helped me realize that it's not about emotion. It's about giving grace the tools to become an independent, Absolutely. critical thinker. And that's so important, you know. Well, let me say, there was never an out-of-control moment with Safi throwing great. I don't show much emotion the, the to toys away. This was yeah. not a big out of control where everybody was fearful. I mean, the way I viewed it then was an emotional hurt, you know, for the money right. lost, for the breaking the the things that my children cared about and them crying. Now, if he did that, it, it would be a very quiet moment of daddy throwing your things in the garbage. And yeah. I would say, well, you should have picked up. Well, hold one. on. I have to give my wife Piper. I have to give I have to give Piper some props. Emotional. Well, let me give you some props too, Piper. I see it differently. So I have to actually give Piper some serious props here because, you know, the hardest thing when we're when we're growing up and we get indoctrinated these views is when somebody presents new logical information that that's not really that's not emotionally driven. That makes more logical sense. And again, like I said, it disrupts your foundation, right? It it it's rattling the hell out of you. But when I present it to my wife after her two-hour run, she came back. Emotions gone, and she said, "I get it. I understand." Because when and I use that analogy about work, I used it about college. I used it about the real world. She she ran for two hours, whatever she had to do while she was running. She came back, and we had a an adult logical conversation. So it's hard. And she made a comment to me, like even before we started this show today, um, you really are offensive when you come off. But if you can remove the emotion, it really makes sense. And that's my goal. I'm really not trying to be offensive. I'm not. I'm trying to give people the insight that in order for these kids and these these young adults to succeed, they have to have real life experiences. Well, and I think that's the, the, the most poignant thing is that I know you and I know you want those kids to be more successful in life than even we are to be able to handle challenges to be able to get back up when they fail to be able to handle failures everybody does great with success but how you handle your challenges and your failures defines you absolutely because it allows you to go to the next moment it allows you to be successful in life this is not financial success this is successful in life. Well, I want to give all the viewers a little bit of analogy that I have on failure. People think it's negative. Um, I've learned so much from fixing x-ray machines to managing the office to our, I mean, just a lot of things I never thought I would imagine to do. And all these, if you want to use the term success has come with numerous failures. I mean, I've shocked myself. I've done a lot of dumb shit trying to figure stuff out. Um, so I remember Piper came and she was stressed out regarding, you know, if, if the practice wasn't going to be successful in MDC when we expanded it and she was worried about failure. And I've always say this, there is absolutely no weakness in failure. Embrace your failures. The only weakness is with you, if you choose to give up because those experience of failure are far more valuable than any immediate success you'll ever get. Um, that's my thoughts on that. But I want to go back to you, Casey, yeah. because I also know that you've also had um, a lot of challenges with um, your parents mm -hmm. from how they initially was raising you and then how you went, if I'm not mistaken, against it, if you want to use that term against it. And then you're almost kind of coming back 
to how your parents were raising you. And it kind of leads into my whole, your perceptions based on your own experiences. So can you talk to us a little bit about that? About my parents? About Because I remember that was a lot, you know, you had your perception on how your parents viewed you. And I kept on saying, you're only basing that on how you would perceive it. And I assure you, that's not how they're seeing it. They do want you. They want to be around you. And you're like, I don't feel like that. And then we tried this approach. And um, it, you you were incorrect on how their perception was. Yeah. They really do love you and wanted to be around you. It's just fundamentally, you guys weren't aligned, if, that, if that's a fair statement. I think for me, it was just about how I was feeling towards other people, you know, I felt like being honest with people was maybe hurting their feelings. Um, and uh, so just being honest and Why? saying. Why? I don't understand that. Now, there's a right way and a wrong way of saying it to somebody. Like, I'm never trying to be malicious. Why being honest with someone well, I think, is hard? Right. And I think I have this conversation with my daughter. It's It's, you have this, when you're having a conversation with your parents, you might feel there's a level of disrespect. You don't want to be disrespectful to them. They're your elders. There's there's that kind of layer of that. So in the long run, I was hurting myself because I wasn't being honest. And I would just hold it all inside and be resentful, you know, and carry this well, and with I th- me. I think for women, a lot of it, if we are trained from a very young age, is you don't want people to not like you. Yes. You need to be a pleaser. You need to please You people. please everyone, your children. And so you're trying parents. to please everyone, your husband, your children, your friends. And, and you think if I'm honest, they may not like me. Right. And so what I've decided is I don't like some of them. So I'm okay being honest in those situations and not always being worried about somebody not liking me. Because if I'm needing to speak up, it may mean that fundamentally we don't agree. This is not somebody who's adding value in my life, not mm-hmm. in a mean way, but I'm okay because I don't really like them. I know who I am. I've defined myself, but only after taking so, a different approach and being honest and then living with the consequences. It sounds like it. when you guys finally decided to be honest with yourselves, right. okay, I'm going to repeat That's that. Right. I'm going to now start being honest with who I am. It allowed you to have successful relationships with people that you thought That's you couldn't correct. have. Or in relationships wow. with people you did not need Impressive. to be carrying around in again. your life. And that's hard because it may be somebody that you've been a friend with for a long time, but but it wasn't a really a deep and meaningful friendship because there was no honesty there. Well, I, I always say this. Or the one-sided honesty. In, in any successful relationship, you know, from a cat to a human, a dog, children. And I, I, I've, I've discussed this in previous episodes and, and, and including vehicles and houses in order to love something, you first have to care for it. But in order to care for something, you first have to respect it. And I respect people that I don't agree with because we have a mutual respect where you're not trying to. It's not like I'm trying to prove people wrong. That's not the goal here. It's to give people the insight that your perception is solely based on your own experiences. And who are you to be so arrogant to believe that I share those same experiences? And I'm going to, I'm gonna, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to give you um, one of these topics that actually triggered my thoughts of an unstable mind, you know, how I disrupted one's um, um, foundation. I asked an individual, and I'm not going to say who, if they understand finances. 
They said, no. I said, do you understand how you got your retirement? They said, no, my husband dealt with all that. I said, okay. And then we were talking about the death penalty. And I'm not saying I'm for or against the death penalty. I have my own personal views. But I asked, have you ever had a child raped and murdered? And they said, no. I said, it's fascinating to me that you are here telling me you have no knowledge based on finances. You have no knowledge based on a family member getting raped and murdered, but yet you have the sheer arrogance to say how the punishment or how the money should be dispensed. Like I, I'm a confident individual, but I don't possess that type of arrogance. And it, and it, and it blows my mind and it goes back to your perception. Um, at what point can we finally say we're in a, a beautiful melting pot in this country and all this chaos has occurred because of what? We believe our perception's right. Well, I'm here to tell you, you guys are all wrong. It's not that it's right or wrong. You agree or you fundamentally disagree and you're tolerant. If you can't be tolerant, you part ways. Um, Casey, your thoughts? It's also being fair to the other individual too, letting them know your thoughts, your perspective. And if you don't share that, you know, this is a conversation I've had with my daughter. If you don't share that, that's not fair. They don't know. So how can you just assume that they know where you're coming from if Absolutely. you don't have that conversation with them? So it goes back to having an honest dialogue. You know, it's funny. We all assume that this person is thinking this, but you're basing that assumption on your perspective. Exactly. Well, and I think, too, you have to be willing to live with the consequences of your actions. Take your own accountability, your own responsibility. If you're going to speak up, it may mean that people disagree with you mm-hmm. and they don't like you and they don't want to spend time with you. And that's OK. That is their choice. But at least, you know, who you're dealing with. At least you say, hey, this is what I'm putting out there. This is who I am. And then the people in your life will be the people that can handle being tolerant, can handle that they disagree with you or they share the same views as you. And so that's who you tend to surround yourself with. Well, I think, I think we're, we're in our new society with social media and we're all living in one big lie. And it starts with everybody's Facebook or MySpace is not in anymore. It's like Facebook. Oh, and, that's from 1983. And, is it Instagram, <laughs> Instagram, all that Instagram, stuff. I mean, we're TikTok. posting, we're posting all these things about who we really are not, sure. and, it, and, and that's unfortunately setting this precedent of a lie. So how the hell are you going to be honest when you can't even be honest to what you post? It's a snowball effect. It's like I always say, the, um, the Republicans want to get you here. They're pro-life, and the Democrats want to keep you here because they're against the death penalty. So we're really <laughs> all, at the end of the day, in the same... Even though we're in two different views of God. Oh, I want to elaborate that. Though. I have to give my wife props because when she when she told me this, I'm like, that's just amazing. I mean, did y'all hear what she said? Like a conservative person in general is pro-life, right? So they want to bring the life in here, regardless of the circumstances, how that life is going to be raised, okay? Um, and the conditions it could possibly be in. And then you got the... The Democrats are the the the, the liberals, liberals, uh, liberals progressive, liberal. um, progressive, who want to nurture and, in general, again, bell curve majority want to nurture and take care of these serial killers, murderers, rapists. And it, they're it, against it, the death penalty. It, it, they're against the death penalty. It's the irony, and they're both fundamentally. 
talking about the same thing at so different really, points. Every, everybody's pro-life. Right? Pretty much. One's at one end of the spectrum, one's at the other. I say, no, I don't want to say that. I might be offensive. But at the end of the day, if you're if you're not contributing to society in a positive way and you are a burden in life for the society and we set the tools to make you successful and you still refuse those tools of success, I really don't give a shit about you. I just don't care. I really don't. Um, that's just my personal views. Um, I'm sure I offended some people. I'm sure some people are going to say things, well, but I, I don't think, care. Well, I think anytime you disrupt somebody's foundation, it gets them thinking about what they truly believe. I mean, this is how you start those conversations. This is how you change the approach. Absolutely. This is how you have a different experience. It was just like we were talking about um, how, how, to, how to view this. And in 9-11, uh, when the planes hit the building, we were talking about people jumping off the 25th, 27th, 30th story. Why would somebody jump off a 30th Well, because they story? got a snowball of a fire coming at them. And it's my, my point is survival. Humans are built to survive. And when you see a fire and you are you have sure death or you've got, you can jump and you can have two more seconds of life and hope that somebody's down there recognizing that there's a problem and you might land on something. You're going to jump. Well, you know what, Piper? I think a good way of looking at You're it gonna is You're going to jump. You're not going to run into the fire. If, like, in case you probably can reinforce this, you know, you you had your daughter for 14, 15 years before you started changing your view, and nothing nothing really ever progressed out of that. It was this, it was the same soup reheated or Groundhog's Day, and we look at our life and we say, why is this the same? Why is my child still doing this? Why is my husband or why is this person still? Why do I feel like it's this? Da -dun -da -dun -da -dun -da -dun? Well, it's because you haven't changed your approach. And I think the best way of looking at it is if you truly want success for the individual, and I'm not saying financial success, I'm saying success to navigate through this world with a foundation that allows people to embrace their faults embrace their failures Go through and adversity. absolutely you have to um be willing to jump and change change a perspective well, and this goes back to your saying of life is too easy it is i mean i listen y'all there is no survival when you're faced with that life or death decision that's when you either you either stand up or you don't make it i think the best way of looking at it is is let's look at it as survival for your offspring for your kids to be successful to where you're as to where as a parent that you're in your 60s and 70s you're not having to take care of your grandkids because the foundation that you set forth on your own children they have the tools to be successful to take care of their own children because i cannot tell you how many grandparents are taking care of their own grandkids i mean it's it's um it is what it is um casey I want to give you the last words because we're going to wrap this up. I mean, we're pushing, we're pushing about 27 minutes, and I know you guys are probably getting bored of hearing us talk. So, <laughs> Casey, can you um, tell us your final thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I just think this is really powerful. It's, it's really helped me and my daughter. I think she'll come to realize the larger picture. You know, she'll come to think about this. She's even said to me in small moments here and there, you know, Mom, you gave me something to think about. And I just hope that she kind of, that resonates with her and down the road, 
you know, he's applying these things. Well, bravo, Casey. Yeah. Bravo. And I think that's impressive. And I want to kind of, I don't think I said my disclaimer, did I, Piper? No, you didn't. I got to, I got to, I got to bring back my disclaimer and we'll end it. Um, this is Sophie from Sophieism. I don't know what I'm supposed to say, but I will tell you what I believe. So please don't ask me if your baby is cute and don't ask me if you're fat. We'll check with y'all later. Y'all have a great one. Um, bye, everybody. Thank you.